Welcome to the Speak the Language podcast. Today is Monday, October the 11th. Jordan and I are sitting currently right now in the camp house of Kudzu. Um, waiting on Brad. Waiting on Brad. Uh, further detail on that later on down the line. First, let's knock out some, uh, what do you call it? I don't know. we got to knock off these things off the to-do list before we get heavy into it. First things first. Announcements. Uh, announcements. Announcements. Anna- the, probably the biggest one and the one that's got the most... Uh, Hype, is hype the word? The Wilbur Bow giveaway. Yeah. Um, yeah. Excitement. Excitement. That's the one that's got all the excitement built up around it. That runs through October the 18th, I believe. Pretty sure it runs through October the 18th. You can find more info on that through uh, the Primo's Facebook page or the Primo's Instagram page. Um, but I think they're getting like a fully rigged out bow and gold tip arrows and everything. Like yeah, that. it's uh, Matthew's Verdicts with... Uh, a set of never cut, never used gold tip pierces. Um, it's got black gold side on it. Got a rip core rest and a tight spot error. Yeah, quiver. the 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 bow and the accessories for the bow per se. Oh, belonged, man, it's got bee stingers on it. Being stinger, bee stinger stabilized belong to and were used by Will. The gold tip arrows are new. However, I don't think you would want used arrows you know so those are new yeah whoever wins it may need to change the draw length on it to fit them so you got a set of arrows that you can cut accordingly yeah but everything else was at one point used by the one and only wilbur primos which uh but yeah i mean it's it's a lot of cool things happening right there in that little giveaway uh and i think i mean i don't know how many times i think it's a one-time entry kind of deal but again uh, the giveaway runs through, or the ability to enter for it runs through October the 18th. Yep. And check out Primo's Facebook page, Primo's Instagram page, and you can learn how to enter there. I know everyone gets excited for that giveaway. Folks at the office get excited for that giveaway. We've been doing it now for like, I don't know, three or four years, mm-hmm. maybe, something like that. Um, I don't know how Will feels about it, always having to give his bow away, but everyone else is excited about it. Uh, what else do we got? Primo's YouTube channel. Still rolling out new stuff there for the time being, right? Yeah, we got the throwbacks coming out. I think yeah. we have ran dry on TV shows. Yeah, but still got throwbacks coming out. Um, we have the, the if you missed, like, so on Outdoor Channel, if you missed the first run of new episodes, um, Outdoor Channel, we've talked about this before, it's kind of, it's split into quarters of the year. And so the new elk and deer and duck stuff, which uh, starts in third quarter, and then fourth quarter you get it again. So like now it's like the rerun of all the elk and deer stuff. So if you missed anything, don't fret. Uh, if you missed them, well, they're still new to you and they're rolling back out. On Outdoor Channel, um, Sundays at 9.30 and Saturdays at 11 are the big nights, but they also uh, air on like Tuesdays and Tuesday Wednesdays. at 6 p.m. Central Time. Yeah. I know a lot of my buddies and stuff watch it. That's when they Tuesday. watch. Yeah. yeah. Tuesday night something on Outdoor Channel. I forget what they call it. Something like that. Yeah. 6 p.m. Central Time, so 7, uh, 7 Eastern, I believe. Mm-hmm. So we, uh, we wrapped up the um, we wrapped up the Onyx T-shirt giveaway on the reviews, but I won't lie. I did go through and glance through at some of them just because I was curious, and I look at them. The funniest one that I saw, the one that stuck out to me, is someone wrote and they said, I love this podcast. It's a great podcast to cut the grass to. And I thought that was a hefty compliment. 
Yeah, I oh, mean that's that's like serious quality time there. Serious quality the time. Yeah, he must have some like serious noise can noise canceling headphones because I know I've tried to cut the grass with like my regular headphones that you that come with the iPhone. I ain't happening. It ain't working. Yeah, all you're basically hearing is you can tell someone's talking, but you ain't listening to what they're saying. So he must have some good headphones. I usually like listen to some death metal or something like that. That sounds about right. Nickelback. Uh, um. So the embarrassment story this week is short and sweet, uh, but it is, I mean, it is on the funny side of things. This was sent in by a fellow by the name of Maverick. Um, not the Top Gun Maverick, a Maverick Hessen, I think is how you say that. Uh, basically, he said this took place when he was about 10 years old. I imagine, the, before I tell this story, I imagine this story is going to be pretty familiar to a lot of folks. But basically, him and his brother, they're around 10 to 12 years old. They get invited to go fishing with her uncle who just got this brand spanking new nice bass boat right mm -hmm. and uh they say they start catching fish but uncle pulls out ahead very strongly from the get-go um and the uncle is positioned at the front of the boat man in the trolling motor so as many that have been in a situation being either in the middle of the boat or the back of the boat and the guy in the front of the boat running the trolling motor is catching all the fish a common phrase that you hear is like, I'm getting front boated, you know? Yeah. I've used that before. Hey, you always complaining about that. Well, I'm always getting front boated. Then, then I'll back you up into the hole and then you still get out. After fished. you've already fished it. Uh, yeah, but yeah. anyhow, anyhow. So uh, you can imagine, you know, the mounting frustration for these 10 to 12 year old kids as um, uncle, he never states the uncle's name, but as uncle's just constantly catching fish. And so maverick says and like I'm, I'm paraphrasing this story he went into a lot further detail but maverick says he, he pretty much had he, he had had all he could take and just decided that if he wasn't going to be allowed you know by his uncle's free will to hunt to to fish these spots that were that the front of the boat was getting to first he was going to assert himself and his fishing line to those areas <laughs> so the way he describes it is he leans out and swings says kind of like a swung he says he swung his rod like a baseball bat just really trying to get it out there side arm yeah just boom, just everything he could um there is no no reference to hook getting breaking skin of his uncle but the cast did not go as planned and the line then proceeds to wrap around his uncle's head and fishing pole so he's kind of tied up Taught uh, him something. Taught him something. Well, like he said immediately, I mean, we're talking about 10 to 12-year-old boys at the time, so they thought it was hilarious. Uh, the uncle was not entertained. <laughs> was very flustered at this at this event. Um, works himself out of it, get, you know, gets the line unwrapped, so on and so forth. And I think pretty much after that point, they're like, well, this, you know, we're going to move a spot. He was fed up with it. And he was so flustered when he gets everyone sat down in the boat and he goes to take off. You know how those, you know, bass boats do. When you take off, you when you give the outboard some some oomph, you know, the front end goes up and then you plane off. Well, they didn't do that. They immediately went nose downward because he never picked the trolling motor up. Oh, Lord. Didn't, didn't you do that a few years ago with Ben? I didn't do that. I did. Uh, <laughs> we were, um, Ben had just gotten this. Well, let me finish this ma Maverick story first, and then I will tell that one. He never got, like, the trolling. He was so flustered by the line getting wrapped around him <laughs> that he never even picked the trolling motor up. The oh. poor trolling motor, which is brand new, never stood a chance. When he tried to take off, it just dug it into the bottom of the, 
lake or pond and boom and just bent it real nice oh my said it soaked he apparently he tried to throttle it pretty good so water went everywhere they were all soaked and he said the the line of the whole story is his uncle kind of wipes the water off his face looks at him and his brother and goes i realize why your dad never takes y'all fishing <laughs> was the line uh but yet yeah, my story along with that is this has been like five years ago probably when our buddy Ben Bredigan still worked here and we had gotten to this, we had taken a liking to going down and fishing in South Louisiana and Ben had bought this, uh, war Eagle boat with a, a tiller handle motor and a, he had a, I think it was like a, like a Mincota trolling motor. I guess that part doesn't matter, but, uh, we were fishing and we, you know, we'd fish some that morning and, we decided we were going to move spots and he said pull the trolling motor up and i just go and pull the trolling motor up and apparently when i pushed it back in you're supposed to pull it back into where it clicks and it snaps into position yeah and me being me not paying attention i just pulled it up there and i pulled it i mean like it was pretty much like if you were to just glance at it because ben saw it you would look at it and think it's good to go but I, yeah, I had not pushed it far enough for it. It didn't to, lock it. It didn't lock into place. So we start going, and we probably ride for, I don't know, five minutes with no problems. And then we pass an oncoming boat. And you know how it does. Like, as soon as we pass that boat, we have to ride through that boat's wake. And so it causes the boat to kind of jump up and down a little bit. And when I did that, that trolling motor just slides straight up. And I remember... You know how these instances go. It's like it happened in slow motion. Like I remember <laughs> seeing the trolling motor slide up and down into the water, and I look over at Ben, and I see Ben's hands come off the tiller handle and both go on his head like, oh, no, and just these big eyes. And we hit the water, and it, di it didn't – like here's the good thing. It didn't bend the trolling motor shaft. What it did is what the trolling motor was mount mounted on, like this little aluminum bracket thing, the rivets popped out. So the trolling motor was fine. All we had to do was secure that mount back, and we were good to go. <laughs> but it was it was not good there for a little while. Hey, There's so much stuff that go wrong with the boats. Like one of the things that just popped in my mind, like my you know how my dad is. He buys and sells stuff all the time. It's like cars and boats, whatever. He, he does do that. On. He does do that. Anyway, when I was like 12, 13 years old, he bought this boat, and uh, I'm mean, I love fishing. So we went to the reservoir one day. We're gonna go fishing. Uh huh. Well, it was, I mean, we backed into the reservoir, put the boat in there. I was the driver of the boat. He just backed me in there, and, you know, I'd pick him up at the ramp once he parked. And uh, anyway, he gets over there, starts driving. We go and skedaddling down through the reservoir. We get down to a spot we wanted to try fishing and uh, stopped the boat and started fishing. And about two or three minutes later, there's water, like, in the bottom of the boat. Ah. Uh and yeah. he forgot to put the plug in that decker. Mm -hmm. We about sank out there in the middle of the reservoir. So we had a similar story when Brett, my brother, and I couldn't have been. Brett's older than me by two years, and I must say he couldn't have been any older than 12. I don't think he was in his teens yet. So we're, I'd say any, but the, the two of us were anywhere from 8 to 12 years old. And I don't remember exactly where it was, but Dad – had bought this membership and what this membership allotted you is there was like it was like a 30 minute drive from our house uh and they had like four lakes anywhere from like 
I don't know, I want to say some of them were even as much as like 30 acres in size. Right. And this membership meant that at any point in time, you could go and fish any four of these lakes. It's like joining deer camp for fishing. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, I remember we had just got there. Like, we may have gone and fished out there at one of those lakes or ponds one or two other times. And I hadn't I, – I must say I was on the younger end, 8 to 12, because I remember – like, I don't think I had – like in some of those trips, I remember thinking in my young mind, like, I hope I catch a bass this time because I'd never caught one before. So I, I must have been on pretty young end of that. Uh, 16, 17. 16, 17, 18 years old, something like that, yeah. <laughs> uh, but I can remember, like, us getting out there, and one of the jobs of my older brother Brett was to make sure that, like, my jo- my job that I was assigned by my father was, like, Make sure the tackle box was in the boat. Yeah, and we uh, we were ahead Your of this. Your dad's the captain, and then y'all are his mates. Yeah, and, and we had like all the grunt work. we had an assortment of different responsibilities, and one of Brett's responsibilities was make sure the plug is in the boat, right? And so we get out there, and uh, I remember those ponds were deadly. Like the like the bait, the lure of choice was just a trick worm, specifically yeah. uh, a methylate colored trick worm, and. Uh, we're out there and we're catching fish and I, I was sitting in the back of the boat. My brother was in the middle. Dad was in the front operating the trolling motor with just this John boat, you know? Yeah. And, uh, I remember I was fishing and all of a sudden I just felt my ankles were wet and same kind of deal. Like, and then it, it all, when it, it was one of those, when it rains, it pours type of incidents. All of a sudden the tackle boxes are floating and <laughs> that, you know, at first I didn't want to say anything because we were catching fish and I didn't want to alert father because i didn't want to leave you know but then the thought crossed my mind that we're in the middle we were in one of the bigger lakes where and we're like out in the middle of this thing like pretty much as far away from from the vehicle as we possibly could be and i was like i really don't feel like swimming back you know and it, in your in my young mind i was like i didn't know how deep this pond was and so finally i didn't have to tell dad he figured out because his ankles too were wet <laughs> And then we come to the point, like, Brett still had the plug in the pocket of his pants. <laughs> so we had to, like, give that trolling motor everything that it had. I think the trolling motor was probably older than my dad was at the time, but we'd get back to the bank, have to drain the water out. But, yeah, I think we've all had stories somewhat like that, yeah. especially if you grow up fishing. In, I mean, you know how, I mean, the little farm ponds like that and, not uncommon in the southeast at least oh yeah i had i had a john boat when i was a kid i had to keep a bucket in it because it had so many holes in the bottom of it yeah bail her out son i remember like me and my brother i remember were being were of just very very concerned because we thought the thing was surely going to sink <laughs> because we waited so long and then i met my dad my dad was like we have to see to this situation but he was like you don't understand he's like this thing can get almost to the top and it's still gonna <laughs> it's still gonna float to some yeah. degree we're okay because um, then like my my brother had told me at one point that they were like these giant alligators in that pond and i thought he was serious and then it turned into who cares if we're catching fish i'm gonna get eaten by an alligator just the whole thing this podcast is brought to you by OnX Hunt, the app that has completely changed the game and helps you increase your success rates every time you go out in the field. It's something that we legitimately use every single day. doesn't matter if we're talking elk hunting, deer hunting, duck hunting, upland hunting, 
bass fishing, it does not matter. We don't go a day without using Onyx Hunt. Public and private land boundaries, the new crop filters, the new 3D mapping system. There is not a time where Onyx cannot help you, and they update it all the time, which helps you increase your success rates. So go and check out the Onyx Hunt app today. Use the promo code PRIMOS20 to get 20% off your Onyx Hunt membership. Back to the subject at hand. So we're, we're at Kudzu. Uh, we're currently, like, as we sit here right now, we're waiting on Brad uh, because we're supposed to start planning two days ago, and we haven't yet. Yeah. Um, and then we're supposed to start planting this morning, and we haven't yet. Uh, but it all boils down to we got we got we're wherever our, our man is. I think he's going to be here at some point today. I hope so. Yeah, we still got <laughs> – Here's the deal. We're got 90% of the food plots are ready to plant. Yes. But there's 10%. There's nothing been done to them yet because yes. couldn't get over there to spray them, one. Two, our bush hog finally just gave out. Yeah, gave its ghost up. And three, we don't have another bush hog. So Brad's no. bringing his bush hog up here today, and we're going to get that finished and break those up and... Well, I guess y'all are doing that. I will be putting out seed. Could the I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. We'll figure it out. It's like a. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Like the whole preparation, which in most people's, y'all know, when you're dealing with tractors and stuff like that, it's always seems to be like a series of unfortunate events. You just can't ever get your feet up under you completely. Something's always breaking down, or but it's just a, a lot going on. But. Uh, I mean, things are looking good. Like we started, we got trail cameras out uh, finally, and the results of like some of the deer that are showing up on trail camera have been promising. Yeah, right now I think we got three or four really, I mean, nice deer for this area, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, inch-wise, I mean, they're probably 120 to 130 type looking deer. Yeah. I mean, good deer. Yeah. Plenty of good deer. Plenty of good deer for us. You oh, know? yeah. I ain't trying to shoot no monster, but I mean, if a monster shows up, that's a decision on cake. It's possible. Uh, I, I hadn't met a person yet that doesn't want to shoot a big old deer, you know. No, it's like it's like a balancing act, you know. It's like a, uh, I don't know. I was listening to a, I was listening to another podcast recently, and they were talking to this guy that had been a outfitter for years, and he said, I guess he'd been running the outfit long enough that. Um, finding clients to fill up his outfit was not so much of an issue right you know, he had much more of like a wait list and like a repeat business yeah, a repeat business or just so much word of mouth that like he just didn't have problems booking up right and he said he he had gotten to the point where you know he would talk to somebody and they'd be you know talking over what they were looking for and their so their main goal would be like oh i'm looking for a buck that's x amount of inches and he said don't get me wrong like i have nothing against the folks that hunt like that if that's your thing that's your thing but i tell them honestly i'm like look if that's like your main goal is the inch size of the deer then you probably want to go somewhere else because that's just not what we focus on here like i'm not telling you you can't kill a deer that caliber here but that's just not our main focus like we hunt we look for mature animals you know if there's a big one pop up great but that's just not he'd started he'd kind of gotten away from that whole focus i guess yeah I mean, to me, talking about, like, that, like, the inch game and all that kind of stuff, like, 
I use analogies a lot, just like that's what makes sense in my head. Right. And you talk about like a mature buck. Put that in like a football situation. Hmm. Well, if you're in high school, the mature buck, the big guy on campus, may be something like he's a stud of the, the, the team, you know? Sure. Well, you move up to the next level. And he's no longer stood. Uh, same see, same way with deer. I mean, it's all about the area you're in. Right, yeah. And the biggest deer you have may not be justified in somebody else's mind to where they hunt at. Mm-hmm. And it's just all about what you have at your particular place yeah. and what makes you happy to me. You just, know, same way, I mean, you go from college to NFL. To me, like Mississippi, we got some dang good hunting here. Yeah. But far as like killing booners every year, you can do it, yes. But like, you go to Iowa or somewhere like that, it's like going to the NFL. Mm-hmm. You know, that's just a whole different caliber of deer that live there. I remember uh, when I did that Midwest Whitetail internship. I, like, I just moved up there, and they had a staying in this little bitty house, um, kind of in town. Mm-hmm. And we were out there. Work, like we just moved in we we're still moving stuff into the house and the guy walks out that lives next door and he's just kind of introducing himself like hey i'm this guy you know and just kind of small talking i'm going to be your neighbor blah 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 and we get on the subject of hunting and i remember he said he had just gotten into archery hunting like a year or two ago and uh he was telling and then you know once the archery talk started you know how it goes with hunters doesn't matter where you're from usually if you uncork the cap of talking about hunting it just kind of spirals you know yeah so next thing you know we're out there t- talking telling hunting stories and he starts getting on dives further into the fact that he's only been not just bow hunting but hunting period for a year two years at a time and he starts telling the story of his first deer and i remember the terminology that he used and i'm 20 years old at the time just i mean like had never hadn't experienced really any type of deer hunting but central mississippi primarily and the guy says, he said, yeah, he said, that first year was great. He said, I did. He said, I shot the first one I saw, and my buddies, you know, give me crap about it now. He was just a little scrub, 130, 135-inch buck. And in my head, I was like, I'm sorry, what? Yeah. You know, and to your, but to your point, you know, it was like up there, we were in southeast Iowa. I was like, man, if I were to see where I'm from, 130, 135-inch deer. I'd be you, happy killing that every year oh for same. the rest of my life i'm the same way you know it's just it's great which did you well of course you saw it because you reposted that thing that uh t-bone was in yeah talking about size of deer and social media and the effects and all that uh that is he's he makes some very strong points in that little video he does and uh you know i 100 percent like if that's your goal just to go shoot a deer go do it if your goal is to shoot mature bucks go do it yeah. It does not matter. The thing that I get tickled about is like when these guys are all like serious about like I'm trying to manage for mature bucks, this, that, and the other. Yeah. And then they shoot a two-year-old six-point, and they're like, "It's a cool." Oh, the cool thing. Oh my gosh, that, yeah. that like I bust out laughing every time I see that. It's like if you're trying to shoot, I mean, if you're happy shooting that, shoot him, but yeah. don't try to make an excuse why you shot him. Just yeah. like I wanted to shoot this buck. I remember um, the same I – pr- I'm not going to try to give away too many details on this one in case I don't want to – anyhow, I, I remember specifically 
um, there was a guy. I guess I'm going to be very generic about this story just because I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings if they happen to. I don't know if the guy would listen or not. But we had a group of friends, and there was a guy. He was very, very adamant. You know, we we had gotten we were late, you know, 18, 19, 20, somewhere in there. Mm-hmm. And there was this guy in, our, in the group of friends. He was all he was about was killing the biggest deer to the point where – all the other buddies were like, hey, man, just lay off it a little bit. You know, like, calm down. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he ends up shooting this deer. And I, in my mind, like, I remember seeing the deer. I remember him pulling up with it in his truck and not thinking, like, nothing ever crossed my mind about that deer being small. Like, I saw it, and my first thought was, that's a good buck, you know? Yeah. And I remember this guy was not was ashamed. Like all that was coming out of his mouth was, I thought he was bigger than he was. I only caught glimpses of him. I never saw a full view of him before I shot him. Like all he was doing was steady apologizing to everyone in the circle for the deer that he shot. Just like, just enamored that he had killed that one and not waited for a bigger one. And I, I remember that because, I mean, he was so focused on killing the biggest man. I, I, I think the deer, I mean, he's probably like 120-inch deer. Yeah. But he was just so upset at himself for shooting that buck. <laughs> no, I'm, I mean, I've been there, but for a different reason. You know, yeah. like make a mistake. That's, that happens. Yeah. It happens. Yeah. But, you know. Well, the thing that was interesting about, so like this dude particularly, he wasn't like at a, because you run into a different like, subset of rules if you're like at a camp or a lease where y'all have agreed to shoot a certain aid structure yeah, or beam the, length or if whatever. there's a mutual agreement between a party of people like y'all's main goal is to shoot certain criteria of bucks. Right. Yeah, you need to try to do what everybody agrees to. But this was on public land. Like uh, we, we were all <laughs> again, yeah, exactly. Yeah. We were all on public land and he, he, I mean, and so there was no like rule. The only rules that were had were the Legal ones he, buck. yeah, that were the ones that he gave himself. And, uh, but yeah, I, I remember that to this day. I, Cause I remember some of us were like, dude, that's a good buck. Like lay off yourself a little bit. It's all right. You know, yeah. <laughs> it's nothing to be embarrassed about. You made a good shot. You know, it's, it's fine. Well, I mean, I found myself getting caught up in that whole game too, about wanting mm-hmm. to kill a bigger deer than such and such and all this kind of stuff. And it finally hit me about three or four years ago. It was like, if I'm enjoying doing what I'm doing, that's all you need to do. Yeah. I truthfully like these days. I mean, uh, me and me and Zach Farinball talked about this a little bit. Uh, deer hunting when you go a lot, and I mean like a lot, like like we go, it can get redundant to a degree. You yeah. know, it can kind of get really monotonous. And uh, to to that, I can honestly say, like I could go out there, which obviously we'll be planting all day today, but. I could go hunting this afternoon and shoot a doe at 15 yards with my bow, and I would be just as happy as if I shot the biggest deer on kudzu. Mm-hmm. It's just, I, and it prob- probably part of that is, is like I got so, uh, I guess, overexposed to that whole inches of antler culture. Yeah. Through and I'm not talking about like through our crew. I'm talking about kind of like what T Bone was talking about in that video. You just see so much of it in social media that I was just kind of wanted to go the opposite direction of it. Yeah. 
You know what I'm saying? I I understand that. But, you know, that's your right to make that, you know, that's what you like to do is mm-hmm. just go hunting. Yeah. Like, one thing I enjoy, and you know this about me, is, like, figuring out a particular deer. Yeah. Like, I, I that's, that's what I like. He may not be the biggest scoring deer by any means, but just, like, okay, that's the deer I want to figure out. Yeah. And that's what I enjoy doing. You I, know? That is true. And, there's, I mean, there's nothing, like, let me step back a little bit. Like, if there's a guy listening to this or some guys, whoever, that they like killing high-scoring deer, I'm not knocking that no, by any means. I mean, shoot, I'm a, I'm like, if I shoot a big old deer, I'm super proud of him. You yeah. Know? If I shoot a, a small deer, sometimes I do get caught up in that whole kind of being ashamed yeah. of it. I mean, yeah. I ain't going to lie about it and say I'm, I'd be just happy if I just went out there and shot a, a two-year-old buck because I'm – trying to say this without offending anybody but it's hard but like me that's my goal yeah and you should hunt for your goal Mm -hmm. if your goal is to go out and shoot you a buck every year that's fine if your goal is to go out and shoot a four and a half year old deer every year that's fine yeah i think it's the whole belittling thing where it gets yeah where you where you find error yeah you know i had a guy text me like a couple weeks ago i forget where he lives and um he sent me a picture of a, a buck he killed, and he was like, he was somewhat seemed like he was ashamed of it, mm. but he was proud enough of it to send me a picture, you know? Yeah. And uh, I just did my best to encourage him about it because, dude, I'm the first one to be happy just shooting a deer, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it's all about your goal. And T-Bone explained it the best in that video. It was like. He really did. Like, he did. He did a good job in that. Us as being in this industry, getting to hunt a lot. Like, we do. We get to hunt more than an average person does. We take for granted those little things like that. The guy that, that gets to go only on the weekends. Mm-hmm. I mean, be successful if you want to be successful and don't be ashamed of it. Yeah. I told somebody, I can't remember who I was talking to, but it was, this was last year. It wasn't that long ago. But I told someone, like, because I, I, like, again, just being fully honest, I think – I can remember it's been a while ago now because I've been I've been doing this for with Primo specifically for seven going on eight years now. This is my eighth deer season, mm-hmm. so I was like, I really do think like I tried to put myself in the mindset like it's hard to not take for granted how much we get to go deer hunting because I was like I'm trying to remember back to the days when I was like I've got Friday afternoon, I've got Saturday, and maybe maybe some of Sunday to deer hunt, and that's mm-hmm. it. Dude, I was thinking about this the other day. You know, I've been doing it for a pretty good while, too. You know, I started working at Mossy Oak in, like, 2013. But, uh, anyway, I was thinking back to those days because, like, my job then was strictly video. That's yeah. all I did, video, video, video. Yep. And I was gone a lot, like, uh, more than the average person can even fathom yep. being gone working. And uh, I would only get to go deer hunting for myself maybe four days a season, five days a season. Mm-hmm. And you better believe I was going to shoot something if I got the opportunity. <laughs> like, because like, yeah. like, that's why I love hunting. Like, it all boils down to I love get, like shooting, especially with a bow. Yeah. It's just like, you, I mean, I can, I can relate to the guy, even though I've been hunting for a living or videoing for a living for – 
almost 10 years now it wasn't up until like three or four years ago i actually got to hunt very much well do you remember thinking about that how long ago was it that i shot that big four point at cottonmouth i was five years ago four years ago something like that and do you remember like i remember you me and you the reason we knew the specific timeline is we had just been talking about it because like i said that was right that was right when me and you started to get to do not just videos when we started getting to hunt a little bit yeah and i remember telling you it was like it was like the same week that i shot that buck that i had not killed a a, a buck with my bow in like four years yeah because that's all i'd been doing was filming which i mean like Dude, it, i went for like three years when i was at mossy oak and i think i killed like one deer yeah you know and but to your point like i said i remember i shot and granted like for a four point i mean he was grande like we had were specifically like wanted to wanted that deer he didn't surprise us we saw a trail cam picture of him we're like ooh, yeah but i was so fired up about that four point buck it just hit me that buck we uh Oh, we got lucky. Do you remember, like, we yeah. thought we had the sucker figured out and the cameras were labeled wrong, and he was on a different camera like a half mile so, away, and it showed up. So, where we so yeah, you want to talk about, like, it's like that old statement that uh, I'd rather be lucky than good. <laughs> so we're in this portion of Cottonmouth, just to kind of frame this story up for y'all. This is a, a This is a dead true story, and I think we told this exact story on a podcast at some point. Yeah. But uh, – Jordan and I, we got the green light to go hunting, which that fired us up enough. Because, again, like at this point in our careers, we'd mainly been just solely camera guys. So we get the hunting green light. We're like, <laughs> so we check trail cameras. Um, this is before we had any type of cell cameras. We check trail cameras, and we pull this card, and we see this four-point, this, you know, mega four-point. And, like, we get so fired up, and, again, we think we've got this deer figured out. We're like, oh man he's coming in in daylight and he's right here and we don't realize till after the deer has been shot like we've we've shot him we've got him back to the skinning shed we've cleaned him and i think we were like back at the house that night when we realized what happened and we the cameras were labeled differently or something like that and where the trail camera picture of that deer was was at least a half mile away, maybe more. Yeah, the the pictures were at the oak tree plot. Yeah, and they killed him at whatever it plot was called. Turkey plot, yeah, turkey, turkey turkey foot or something like that. Yeah. Um, and like we had gone with climber stands, <laughs> jack, jacked up this tree, thought we had this deer figured out based off trail cameras, and we had no sooner like we got in there pretty early for an afternoon hunt. Like yeah. it was like three o'clock in the afternoon. And there's that deer. <laughs> there, like, there he is. And we're like, man, that's the deer we came in here for. And I'm talking as lucky as lucky can get. Little did he know we were we pulled the reverse psychology on him, and we didn't even know it. Because had we gone to the spot where the trail camera of that buck actually was, we probably wouldn't have killed him. No. Ain't no way. And we shot him at, like, 15 yards at 3.30 in the afternoon. <laughs> I do. That's... Yeah, that's wild to think about now. Yeah. But again, like back to the point, like I was, I was on cloud nine about killing that four point buck that probably scored about thirty six inches. <laughs> it's all beauty is in the eyes of the beholder. Yeah, that's all, if you're happy with it, and it's all. I mean, you gotta 
you got to be respectful of other people you hunt with if you're in a camp or something. But if you're out there doing your own deal and you have your own goals, you that's a good thing about, like, owning a place or leasing a place yourself is, you know, you can set the goals to whatever state legal if you want to and be happy with that. I remember um, when I was at Mississippi State, we were as at the – uh, Thompson Hall College of Forest Resources and every now and then they would have like guest speakers come through for different classes and I think this was like a, a like an agriculture con conservation agriculture practice class something like that anyhow but this dude came in that was going to speak to the class and he was a, a uh, kind of like a private habitat consultant you know mm -hmm. like a, you know, a wildlife consultant he would primarily work with larger private landowners he'd come out there take a look at the place he would on the on the lower level he would write a management plan give it to them and they would act it out and he would go as far as he would implement the plan himself if they wanted to you know he had different scales that he would operate on and he's talking to you know a class full of folks that this is their interest and so we're at the time you know, we're talking about trying to learn about how to make these properties into these awesome habitats for growing big deer and blah, 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 blah. I mean, we're all college students, you know. That's what we're thinking of is how big a deer and how much can we grow the turkey population. And I remember it was like at the end of the talk or somewhere in the talk, he said, what do you think is the number one thing that we focus on, that I focus on when I go visit with somebody about their property? And someone's like, well, their bedding area, their, the amount of native forage they got, so on and so on and so on. He said, my number one thing that I like to figure out first is what that landowner's goal is. Because mm -hmm. that is the most important thing. He goes, because don't get me wrong, most of the people that I talk to, their their main goal when I ask them is, I want to grow the biggest deer that I can that I can grow. He said, but every now and then, not uncommon, I'll have someone be like, I've got kids, I've got grandkids, I've got friends. I want us to come out here and have the most fun hunting that we can possibly have i want to see deer every time i go yeah you know what i mean yeah it's all and it's it's all dependent on what that person's goal is and if they if that lies within good ethics and legal hunting there you go that's right i'm gonna we're on a little bit of a rabbit hole there that i didn't anticipate going down yeah that's a good rabbit hole needs to start everybody needs to start just lay off each other on social media is my opinion. And go watch that video with T Bone. Yeah, um it's on, a good one. Blood Origins did it. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh it's something that needs to be addressed for sure. Cause if that guy's happy, let him be happy. Yep. Um so I think we're gonna wrap this one up. Brad should be arriving here shortly and we're gonna have to get to work. We will catch y'all back here next week. I I don't think we left anything out per se. No, I think we're good. Yep. Catch y'all back here next week. As always, thank you for listening to the Speak the Language podcast.